Thank you, Kirk. It is uh, so good to be with you guys. Um, it is feeling like home. It feels like family to be here and excited to share with you this morning. I love this. I've been looking for this, actually. So Tracy and I went to a housewarming just a couple of weeks ago. We, we met a new friend and something came up about that we were Christians and she goes, oh, do you like believe in Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we follow him. And we had a conversation at this party and she was searching and she tried different spiritual things and, and she's like, I'm really intrigued by what you're saying. And she said, you talk about Jesus like he's a real person that's here. I'm like, yeah, because he is. So I've been looking for this because I'm going to send it to our new friend. So thank you. Yeah, so, I've, so I got the first one. You, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 16, please. We'll be there in just a second. I do feel like you don't have to do that the whole way through, babe. Sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's all right, thanks. Sorry, you're distracting me. Um, I do feel like I, I, the Lord's stirred something in my heart for this morning for you guys. And, and I feel like it's a word for Pine River's Vineyard and it's a word for the vineyard possibly even in Australia that for you guys to lead us in. I don't know about you, but when, when Kirk invites me to come and speak, I get butterflies in my stomach and I get excited. And a few days out from the, from the preach on the Sunday morning, I start losing sleep at night because I'm waking up and I'm excited. And last night I said to Tracy, I just can't wait to get to church tomorrow morning. I'm so excited for it. Because I come to church to meet with God and to meet with his people with a sense of expectation there's an expectation that I come with. Now, I've got to tell you the truth. That wasn't always like that for me. I, I grew up in church, and church wasn't about expectation. Church was more about endurance. It was about counting the bricks on the wall, and I was just a young fellow thinking, looking at my watch and going, the test match starts at 11, 11 o'clock. Dad, you've got to finish, you know. And sometimes I'd even use my watch to get that reflection off the sun to kind of get it on my dad's head to say, hey, it's time to finish. And we had a few conversations over the Sunday lunch about that. It didn't, didn't go well. But now, since meeting Jesus for real, church is about expectation. That God's going to be here and stuff's going to happen in our life and my life and your life. And, and I can't wait for that. And I think we should come to church. If, I, if expectation's over here, I'm going to travel a bit today. But if expectation's here, we come to church with expectation and that expectation is met because Jesus is present with encounter. When we come with expectation, we actually encounter the, the living presence of Jesus like that lady witnessed when we were, she, she could see Jesus on us. She's like, he's like he's here because his promise was that, right? Like, I, hey, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. If, if two or more of you are gathered together, I'm in the midst there with you and power is going to come upon you. So we know that when we come with expectation, we, we encounter the living presence of God. And sometimes that living presence and that, that encounter is like this slow burn of like, yeah, I met with the Lord today and, and he encouraged me. And I, you know, there was something that happened in worship or with the scriptures or ministry time that, that encouraged me in my walk. And sometimes that encounter with the living presence of God is much more than a slow burn. It's, it's like, 
like I like to describe as a chiropractor to your soul. It's like God just got so deep in there and he just went crack, 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 and you're like, whoa, that was amazing. And sometimes it's been, for me, and these guys have prayed for me and witnessed it, like it's so overwhelming that I'm almost like, God, spare your hand because I don't know if I'll ever get up again because your presence is so heavy, right? So we come with expectation. We encounter the God, whether that's, that's a slow burn or a powerful moment. And from that place, there comes a, a moment of realisation of that, wow, God, what you're doing in me, you'd actually want to do through me. That this isn't just for me. That we come with expectation, we encounter God, and then we're invited into the expansive work and life of the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you, Pine Rivers Vineyard, to take that journey. And I feel stirred by the Lord today to say, don't stop at encounter. Because it's easy to do. It's easy to stop at encounter. But to say, no, Lord, more than just me meeting with you, what would you like to do through me in the lives of those around me, in this building and outside of this building? Because, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women reach hold of it and say, God, do it through me. Expand your kingdom through me. As Paul said, the manifold wisdom of of God is made known now through the church in Ephesians 3.10. But let's not be ignorant to think that we couldn't fall into the trap and the danger of stopping that encounter. It would be foolish to think that couldn't happen to us. And and it just feeds into almost a Christian spiritual ego of I'm just turning up for what God's doing in me. But God invites us into this space of expectation, encounter, and the expansive work of the kingdom of God. Today, we are celebrating all who serve here in the vineyard at Pine Rivers. And I'm so glad to speak into that space because I think that is such a beautiful thing. When you put your hand up to say, I'm going to move from encounter and I'm going to I'm going to step into the expansive work of the God and, the, and I'm just going to do that by serving. Can I, can I speak into that a little bit this morning? And I don't want to get in, in the way of the party that's going to happen afterwards, but there's a party happening here right now, I reckon. How do we lay hold of it? We become apprentices to Jesus and we join him in his expansive work. So we're in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we'll start. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. But from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples 
that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and then on the third day be raised to life. But Peter, bless his heart, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. This is a wonderful text, one of my favourites. And it's easy, oh, sorry. It'd be easy to dig in. And, and spend the rest of the afternoon going through this. But I don't, I don't want to dig in on every verse, but I do want to stop at a few points along the way and dig a little. And the first point that's probably worth stopping and digging is that it's interesting at the start of that text, it says that Jesus came to, with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And it's, it's worth noting the context of this place where Jesus was having this conversation. So Caesarea Philippi was north of the Sea of Galilee by about 25 miles. It was um, at, an, at an elevation because it was at the base of Mount Hermon. And it was a place of pagan worship. So there was a Greek, uh, there was a, it's called a grotto, which is basically this cave in the rock wall where the waters would run through. And the Greeks would come and worship their god Pan there. And they'd throw sacrifices into the cave and onto the rocks to worship their god Pan. The god Pan was the god of fright. Hence fright, like scared. Hence we get the word panic. Right? So the Greeks would go to appease the god of Pan there and sacrifice. And then the the Romans also set up a temple there so they could worship Caesar. So it's in this place of total pagan worship that if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to go on a spiritual retreat because I want to discover more about Jesus, this is not on your list. You go up to like, the, you know, the ranges, like the Gold Coast, you know, and the, the hinterland, right? You go up to a nice peaceful place. But this is, this is pagan worship at its centre. And it's in that place that Jesus takes his disciples on a spiritual journey from expectation to encounter to the expansive work of the kingdom of God. And he does that by saying, so who do they say that I am? In fact, I think if we put a different emphasis on the different syllable, that he might have said in the context of all this pagan worship, he might have said, who do they say that I am in the midst of all that's going on? And they say, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say, you know, a prophet from of old. And then he points to his disciples and he kind of looks them in the eye and says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And the revelation from, from heaven, from the Father, comes to Peter and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that we've been waiting for. 
And so there was expectation, and then there's this encounter, this revelation of who Jesus is. And then watch what Jesus does. Because he could have gone, hey, well, that went pretty well. I'm really happy for you, Peter, because I was waiting for that to come out. That was actually better than I expected. But he didn't stop there at encounter. He said, you know what? You are Peter, and on this rock, which I believe is the the revelation of of Jesus Christ being made from the Father to us, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. So building's always about getting bigger. It's always about expanding. So he goes straight from encounter, hey, we are going to the expansive work of the kingdom of God because I'm going to build my church on this revelation of who I am. And then he goes on, it says, and then he says, so this is what the Messiah is going to look like. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be suffer and he's going to die, but then he's going to be resurrected on the third day. So he shows them this is what the kingdom of God's going to look like through the Messiah. And then we get to Peter. And Peter's like, he's had a really good moment. Right? He's doing really well. And, and he's just made this great statement and declaration of faith in Jesus. And he hears Jesus talk about his suffering and dying. And I think if Peter was Australian, he would have said to his disciples, hold my beer, I'll deal with this. And he literally takes Jesus aside. He says he pulls him aside and he begins to rebuke him. And he says, this is never going to happen, Lord. I'm not going to let you go and die. That's not what we want with the Messiah. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block for me. I love Peter, right? Because he's gone from, hey, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on to you're a stumbling block in just a matter of moments. Like if Peter's wife was there, you know, if she was in the circle and he got, went to get up, he would have got that, you know that hand that gets on your leg just above your knee, husbands? Do you ever experience that? There's a, there's a thumb that goes in there and you go to get up and you're like, oh no, I'll just sit back down. I'll just stay here and be quiet. Or maybe your wife's on the other, other side of the circle and you go to get up and you get that eye that communicates a thousand words and you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> the disciples are thinking, Peter, if you just shut up, quit while you're ahead, you would have done really well. Can we just dig into this a little bit for a minute? Can I just, can I just kind of personalise this? So this is not scripture, this is just my personal story and I need a prop. So Jacob... I need a Jesus. Doesn't he make a good Jesus? Doesn't he? Give him a hand. All he's got to do is stand here. It's so funny. All right. Good Jesus. Thanks. I've found in following Jesus that there's times where I'm following him and I go, you know what? I'm just going to go off to the side here. I'm still, you're still in front. I'm going to go off to the side because I'm a bit distracted. Maybe I've gone on a holiday. Maybe I've come into some finances or a new job or, you know, something's happened in my life and I'm a bit distracted. I'm like, I'm not leaving you. I'm just over here a little ways, right? And then you kind of, you work out, hey, this is not going as well as I thought. And so you kind of come back and you come back to close to be with Jesus and he's kind of going, why don't you just invite me over to that space? Why don't you just invite me there, right? And there's other times where... Jesus is moving forward and he's calling me forward and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going there. And I'm digging my heels in like a little toddler having a tantrum and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And he's saying, come on forward. I'm like, oh. 
And like a, like a good father, he lets me have my tantrum tantrum and tire myself out. And I'm like, and I come in. And he's like, are you ready to try again? Yeah, I'd like to try again. Let's go forward. But the times in my life where I'm being like, God, I just don't know where you are. I'm struggling to hear your voice. I'm trying to be close to you, but nothing I normally do is working, is when I discover that I've come over here and I've said, Jesus, I've got some really good thoughts, a few ways I want to go. I want you to come with me and I want you to bless what I'm doing. Because Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Because he's the rabbi, he's the teacher, and we're the apprentice. And the only way to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus, is to be behind him and follow where he leads. But we never get it, you never want to get in front. Because that's the time when his words to me have been most stern. And I quietly come back to follow Jesus. Carl Tuttle says, follow, follow the, mouse, the master and stay close enough that you get rabbi dust on you. Brent Rue, who's the first vineyard pastor to plant a vineyard church in Lancaster, California, outside of Hollywood, and he modelled intimacy with Jesus like no one I've ever met or known. But he said, you never get to say, no, Lord. If, if it's no, then he's not Lord. It's oxymoronic. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't he do a good job? If, it, if it's no, then he's not Lord. It's only ever yes, Lord. So we follow Jesus by following Jesus, by being behind him. So Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, because this is your place to follow me. And then he says, he doesn't say get behind me, Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. The word Satan there, it literally just means adversary, an opponent to. And Peter, in this position, in front of Jesus, was being an opponent to, to what the kingdom, the expansive kingdom of God was going to look like. And he got this strong rebuke from Jesus to say, you know what, your place is not there, your place is behind me, and right now you're being like Satan. Because you're being an adversary, you're being an opponent to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And don't you think it's interesting that, that the opponent came, the adversary to the advancement of the kingdom of God came beyond encounter. It came when, when Jesus was going towards the cross. So I think, just personally, I think that if you want to stay just an encounter, and even at some level of expectation, you're probably not going to get a lot of opposition. But as soon as you step towards, hey, I want to step into the advancement of the kingdom of God and see God's kingdom expand in my life and through my life, suddenly there's an opponent there. I was talking to Kirk this week, uh, last night, and I said, I just got to tell you, we've just had the, the worst day on top of the worst week, and, and I can't catch up. I just got to... My head's not in any space. 
But all, all week I've said to Tracy, you know, I am just getting resistance from the enemy. I'm just feeling it. And you know how resistance comes? It comes with distraction and discouragement. So Peter's like, I'm going to rebuke you, Lord. I'm going to discourage you from going there. And I'm going to distract you because I want you to go in a different direction. Distraction and discouragement. So yesterday morning, we wake up at like 4 a.m. because I was supposed to drive up. Uh, yesterday, I was supposed to drive up in my car, but it got serviced during the week and they told me it's not fit to drive to Brisbane because there's a warranty fault. So like late Wednesday night, we're trying to find flights to come. So oh, there's just a little bit of inconvenience and resistance and all right, let's just do that. And then and yesterday morning, I wake up, set the alarm, 0400, early, early start, look at my iPhone, it's just flashing the, the Apple logo at me. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I spent the day yesterday in the Apple store at Chermside trying to get it sorted. They're like, oh, it might be $900. It might be warranty. And so and, uh, finally they said, actually, no, it's dead and buried. It's just a recyclable item now. I'm like, so yesterday morning, like my, my boarding pass, my parking pass, my, my only credit card it was valid because my credit card got cancelled during the week too because, like, it was so unbelievable. Like, so my credit card got cancelled. They said, oh, but it's all right. It'll work on your iPhone. I'm oh, fine. I got my... And then yesterday morning... Can you see it? Like, I don't want to go on like I could, but, but distraction and discouragement and the anxiety, what are we going to do? And spend the day at Apple Store, at Vodafone, get it sorted out. And I walked out of the Vodafone store and I'm like, this is distraction and this is discouragement, but nothing's going to stop me preaching the gospel of the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I just felt like, God, go, yeah, that's where we're going. Because Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, I'm not going to be like one of those idols that, that are being worshipped here in this place. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a rock that you can form. There's little deities carved into the rock walls. Jesus is saying, don't ever try to form me into the idol of who you want me to be because I'm the Messiah and I'm leading you towards the cross. So he says, he goes on to say, I like this part. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, I think when he said that, if anyone would come after me, I think he just went like that to Peter. If anyone would come after me, Peter, behind me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to lose his life, uh, save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. This, this journey from expectation to encounter to the expansive work of the kingdom of God. It's found in this revelation of who Jesus is and this acknowledgement saying, I'm going to follow you. And today we're celebrating serving. We're celebrating serving in this church, but moreover serving in the kingdom of God. And nothing, nothing says, I'm following you, Jesus, like serving. Nothing says, you're in front of me, Jesus, and I'm behind like serving. Nothing says, I'm, I'm going to deny myself and take up my cross like serving. And so this morning, can I just give you four things to encourage you in this journey from expectation to encounter and the expansion of the kingdom of God that comes through serving. I just want to give you four things to wrap this up because we've got some food to enjoy. Are you with me? When we serve, we are saying, yes, Lord. And we are following Jesus into a life that embraces the cross and is surrendered to God. 
in this place here, we discover that the expansive life of the kingdom of God is paradoxical. It's paradoxical and it doesn't make sense. Like Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you want to lose your life, that's when you'll save it. So Jesus is speaking into this thing that we all have, this this ego drive towards a journey of ascent, saying, when I'm successful, that's when life's going to be. When I make it all about me, that's that's when life's going to be fulfilling. Jesus says, you go down that path. You can go down that path. You're going to lose your life there. You'll lose your soul. You'll be empty at the end of it. But if you want to surrender your life and embrace the cross and deny yourself, the mystery is that's when you actually find life. Like, really? So I find life by letting go. I find life by letting Jesus be who he is and taking a step back and being behind him. That's when I find life. That's the mystery of it. We could talk more about serving, but I, we'll move on. This, it's, it's learning that actually I'm not the centre of this life, am I? <laughs> Jesus, you are. You are the centre. Secondly, we discover this expansive life of the kingdom of God by saying yes, Lord, and serving and following Jesus. And we discover that it's lived out daily, step by step. Luke's gospel says, take up your cross daily and follow me. You know what we want? You know what I think our ego wants? We want the hold my beer moment. Yeah, I'll serve Jesus in this heroic moment of like Peter tried to do. But it's not like that. It's really just step by step. Faithfully following Jesus, each day waking up saying, you know what, i got some denying of myself to do. I'm taking up my cross and I'm going to follow the master today. You might have seen Kirk's post uh, last week. We celebrated the life of Eugene Peterson. He said, everyone is in a hurry. The person who I, I lead in worship wants, to, wants shortcuts. They are impatient for results. They only want the high points. The Christian life cannot mature in such ways. It is this long obedience in the same direction which the mood of the world does not so much does does so much to discourage. This long obedience, this long direction in in obedience, step by step following Jesus faithfully day by day. You guys are honoring uh, like what's happening in this church with serving. I want to honor someone today if you could if you'd indulge me. But I actually would like to honour my dad. And if there's a, a photo on the screen, I'll hold this, see if I can hold it together for a minute. So I don't know if you can see that, that but my, that's my dad on the right. He's 84 years old. He served as a pastor in the Churches of Christ for 41 years. Then he retired and moved to Perth, where he kept preaching in like nursing homes and different places. And I said to him, Dad, you're still doing it. You're just getting paid even less now. <laughs> and then in his church, he, he's always there on the welcome, doing the door. And, and then they, they, they took on a new leadership team that was a little bit younger. And so he said, well, hey, I'll come on and serve as an elder for a couple of years and just help you guys along and encourage you. And, and then that time's come to an end and they're doing well. So he's like, I'll step back. And then this is just a couple of weeks ago. They took a moment to say, Hey, Steve, we just want to honour you. We just want to honour you. And I, I just want to say, like, he modelled to me faithful discipleship of day by day following Jesus. And I, I love, I don't know, I think it was planned, but on the, if you can see above him on the, on the screen, only God. Only God. 
I just love that. That's, that's who he's going after. And I, I just, I'm just so grateful for how he modelled that in my life and whatever spiritual heritage has been passed down to me and, and I hope and pray to my sons and family and grandchildren that I'm so grateful for that. And he was a great preacher and a teacher and if any, any of that rubbed off onto me, I'm, again, so grateful and just want to honour him. And, and I, you know, there were some wonderful things that happened, but there was never any hold my beer moments. I don't think. He saw great things come in the kingdom of God. You know, when I'd go to a school reunion in, in years past, you know, a 20-year school reunion, I'd meet people. Hey, Tom, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. And they how's your dad? Straight away, how's your dad? I'm like, oh, he's pretty good, I guess, yeah. Oh, he, he so blessed me and cared for me during high school. And they'd tell me a story I never knew anything about. And they took no interest in, in how I was. They were just more interested in how my dad was doing. So proud of that, you know, so proud of that. Rich Nathan says that the kingdom of God is not this heroic hold my beer moments, it's just left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, daily taking up your cross, following Jesus. Thirdly, when we serve and we're saying yes to the Lord and we're following Jesus into a life that embraces the cross and surrender to God, it's in this place that we discover that it brings life to you and it brings life to others. That's what Jesus did. He surrendered his life and then he was resurrected. And then that resurrected life brought life to millions and millions of others. Here's the mystery. Like you think, wow, if I, if I lay down my life, will, will I really find? Absolutely. Can I just tell you the truth? I never wanted to do this job. Never wanted to be a preacher. Never wanted to be a pastor. Ran from it for a long time until I had an encounter with God that included two cars going in the opposite direction at 100 kilometers an hour. And we all survived. And that's a different story for a different day. But at that point, I surrendered and said, all right, Lord, if, if that's what you will have for me, then yes, Lord. You know, I'm going to follow you, not get in front. I'm going to follow you. Yes, Lord. Do you know, I, I love this now. I just, just love it. I, I'm like, couldn't sleep last night because I'm so excited to come to church. And you know what it's like for me? It's like me and God are playing football and he's like, David, if you, if you run down the right wing, I'm going to kick it to you and you run with it. Like, really? I get, the, I get the ball? Yeah, you get the ball. I'll even tell you what to say. Really? You'll tell me? Yeah, I'll tell you what to say. It's just, it's, I just, I just love it. But you know what else happens? You see life come to others. I think Hannah was talking about it in worship today. There's, last time I was here, I spoke in from John chapter 21 and there's this miraculous catch of fish, Right? And there's this one line, I didn't mention it then, but there's this one line when Peter and John are pulling in the fish because Jesus had told them to cast the net on the other side. And John says to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And at that moment, Peter realises that's Jesus. Do you know when, when you're serving, when, when, you're, when you're setting up a chair so someone can come and worship and hear the gospel of Jesus preached, do you know what you're doing? You're being a John, you're going... That's the Lord. That's Jesus right there. When you welcome someone or give them a cup of coffee or whatever, hand them a, an alpha, you're saying, this is the Lord. I've always said in my church, one of the most godly thing you can do with your life is to prepare, prepare a place like a seat or a welcome so someone can come in and encounter God. That's the Lord. It brings life to others. It brings life to others. Lastly, we wrap it up with this. Here we discover this expansive life of the kingdom that it's seen and rewarded by the Father. 
Jesus says, it's interesting, he puts it at the end of this text, there's going to come a time when I'm going to return in my Father's glory with all of my angels and I'm going to reward each person according to what they've done. There, the Lord sees. You, you need to hear that the Lord sees because sometimes when you're serving, it feels like no one sees. Sometimes if you're serving, you're like, am I the only one here that sees that the floor needs to be vacuumed? You know, or am I the only one that sees that the, the car park's full of litter and i got to pick it up before church happens? And I know Kirk does that early in the morning before people come here. And sometimes when you serve and you're like, does anyone care that I'm doing this? And it gets lonely. Sometimes serving gets lonely and, and reward takes a long time to come. I just want to encourage you, the Lord sees. The Lord sees. And when you live a life bringing expectation and encounters the living God and you step towards the expansive life of the kingdom of God. The Lord sees that and he honours that and he blesses that. Pine River's Vineyard, that is your destiny. That is your mantle. That's where you have to lead us in the vineyard in Australia to say, keep serving. Keep serving the kingdom because the work that you're doing is seen by God and he's going to reward it and it's going to bring life hundreds, thousands of others. Can we stand up and pray? I think that's as short as I've ever been here. Good. Can we just welcome the Holy Spirit to come and Father, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness, God, and your presence among us right now. I want to thank you that we come with expectation. We encounter you. And I just want to give an invitation this morning. If you could kind of relate to the story that maybe you've had Jesus off to the side, or maybe you've been dragging your feet, or maybe you even got in front of Jesus and you had an agenda for who he should be and what he should be like and Now you recognise, hey, it's time for me to surrender my heart. It's time for me to say, yes, Lord, and come close to the rabbi. If you're in that place of saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you this morning, would you just raise your hand just right now? God bless you. God bless you, man. Any others this morning? God bless you at the back. God bless you, bro. Can we just... We just work on any, any others this morning, Jesus, I'm following you. Yeah. Yeah. Father, would you come to our hearts and as, as, we've, as our hearts are surrendered to you right now, would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us? And would you lead us forward? Would you lead us forward into the expansive life of the kingdom of God? Would you lead us forward into intimacy with you, Jesus, and knowing you, to walk closely with you? And if you're one who who serves here at the the vineyard in in any capacity, would you you just raise your hand this morning and say, just so you know that the Father sees you. Holy Spirit, would you come and refresh and empower these servants of yours, these disciples of yours, these apprentices of Jesus? Would you come and fill them up? Lord, if they're felt alone, 
Would you come and refresh them with your presence and tell them that you see them, Lord? If they feel tired or if they've faced opposition, God, would you, would you refresh them and empower them and, and say that nothing will hinder the, the, the building of Jesus' church? Not even the gates of Hades could overcome it. This morning as they, as they eat a, a feast and celebrate serving in this place, would you fill them afresh, Lord, and inspire them and empower them to take this kingdom forward of yours? To say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm following you, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.